Well, good morning, Bachelor Creek. Good to see everybody here today. And you know, to kind of get us started off on the right foot this morning, um, something that I want to start doing more often here um, is to have us collectively say our vision and mission as a church. Because if we don't get these things ingrained in our minds, then uh, we'll start taking rabbit trails, rabbit trails that aren't honoring to God. So if you would, I'd like for you to say collectively with me, with some vigor and with some attitude and some excitement this morning, what the vision of Bachelor Creek is, okay? So, so say it with me. The vision of Bachelor Creek is to glorify God through changed lives. Now let's talk about our mission, okay? The mission of Bachelor Creek is to make and grow disciples of Jesus Christ. Now a disciple is someone who lives like Jesus, acts like Jesus, walks like Jesus, talks like Jesus, right? Another word we could use for that is the word follower. And as Jesus' original 12 disciples were following him, they realized and recognized something very unique about him and the way he connected with God in this very intimate, personal, daily way. And they hungered to have in their life what they saw in the life of Jesus. Now remember, his disciples had been praying since they were little kids growing up in synagogue. So they weren't asking Jesus to teach them to pray, but to teach them what? How to pray. Jesus teaches to connect with God, to have a relationship with God, to have God so saturate our lives like we see him in your life. And so Jesus taught them not what to pray, but he taught them how to pray in what we call the Lord's Prayer. And my prayer today is that as we gather around the Word of God, that we'll come at it with as much enthusiasm and with as much eagerness as the apostles did, and we pray to God today, Lord, teach me how to pray. Teach me how to connect with you like Jesus connected with you as well. Because I'll tell you what, folks, during this series on the Lord's Prayer, we're not just trying to learn interesting little facts. We're not just trying to dissect words. We're learning not just the Lord's Prayer. We are learning more about the Lord behind the prayer. Amen? Because everything that we read in this prayer tells us something about God. And I'm going to tell you this morning that at this point, at this juncture in the Lord's Prayer, things kind of turn a corner. All right? Up till now, it's been all about our Father in heaven Hallowed be your name, your kingdom, your will. And now it kind of turns on us and our needs as we pray this. Give us this day our daily bread. Now, I've got to be honest with you folks. I kind of struggle a little bit of getting ready today for this because you know what? I never preach to a group of people who don't have enough to eat. In fact, in the culture I preach in, we have so many books on our shelves and in our homes and in the bookstores that teach us how to lose weight because we eat too much, right? Isn't that the truth? So, our problem is not thinking about how to get enough to eat our problem is eating without thinking at all. And Jesus has some food for thought for us today. So let's just kind of start with the word that Jesus uses. He says, give. 
And again, that can be a struggle for some of us. Do you know why? Because as I look on my cupboards at home, as I open up my pantry, I got a lot of bread already. How many of you have bread in your cupboard at home right now? How many of you would say, you don't only have bread in your cupboard, you've got bread in your freezer? And how many of you would say, there's a really good chance that your bread is going to rot and mold before you eat all of it? Yeah, that's how much we've got, okay? We've got bread coming out of our ears. And here's the deal. If I run out of bread, no problem. I got an ATM card. I got money in the bank. I can just go to the store and buy more bread. So when Jesus tells us to start the prayer, the, the having our prayer, give. What that's doing is that's acknowledging to God, God, we are utterly dependent upon you for everything that comes our way. That I wouldn't have a crumb in my cabinet. I wouldn't have a dime in my bank. God, if it not for you giving these things to me or giving me the ability to, to get these things in life. He's the source. Whether you're in America or Africa. Here's how the psalmist says it. Listen to this, Psalm 104, 27. All creatures, that includes you and me, look to you to give them their food at the proper time. When you give it to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are satisfied with good things. When it comes to food, the Bible's position is that everything that enters your mouth and my mouth comes from the hand of a very, very gracious God. And do you know why we need to hear that? Do you know why we need to utter that word, give, 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 give? Is because I don't know about you, but oftentimes I'm tempted to think that I'm the source of my own blessings. Sometimes our prayers can sound a little bit like Jimmy Stewart's in the, word, in the movie Shenandoah. Go ahead and play that for us, Jay. Lord, we cleared this land. We plowed it, sowed it, and harvested. We cooked the harvest. It wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be eating it if we hadn't done it all ourselves. We work dog bone hard for every crumb and morsel, but we thank you just the same anyway, Lord, for this food we're about to eat. Amen. Yeah, did you catch that? We did it. We planted it. We watered it. We harvested it. We cooked it. But I guess we're supposed to thank you somewhere along the line, so thank you, God, for what you did, right? And I think that's why Jesus tells us that when we pray, Part of how we pray is to continue to use this word give to fight against the idea that I'm an end of myself, that I'm the one that provided the means and the blessings for myself. It's not me, it's God. So we don't come to God demanding, saying, gimme, give gimme, give gimme, give gimme. We come to him as his children with a very humble posture, a posture of dependency, Acknowledging, God, everything that I have in life comes from you. That I am nothing and I have nothing apart from you. Let me remind you what James says. James says in James 1.17, Every good and perfect gift is from where? Above. Coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. So here's what Jesus would say to the church today. 
If when you pray, in your prayer, there is not a posture of need, of humility, of dependence, where we are calling upon God to meet our basic needs, then he says, you need to change the way you pray. Now, let's look at another word in this, okay? We're kind of out of order, but there's a reason for this. Let's look at the word bread. Because there's a change here. All of a sudden, it goes from kind of the, this divine theme of our Father in heaven, hallowed is your name, your kingdom, your will, kind of these abstract themes to the very physical now, right? Give me a sandwich. Did you notice the switch right there, how we go from the sovereign and the sublime right to a submarine sandwich, right? This is where things really come down to earth and get real because prayer, friends, is not about pie in the sky. Prayer is about bread on the table because you and I have real needs. We have real problems. We have real hurts. We have, we have real pain, and the good news is this. We have a real God who cares because he's also our what? Our father. You ever have something in your life that, that it's, it's a little thing to many people, but it's kind of a big thing to you? It's something that bothers you, and, and you even hesitate on telling a close friend or maybe even your spouse about it because you're like, it seems so trite, it seems so little. Why would I even share this with them? Because they're going to think that I'm crazy for making a big deal of this, but it's kind of a big deal to me. Anybody ever have something like that? I think we can do the same thing with God. We don't take things to him because we think they're too small. Now, there are times we need that vision of God who's large and in charge, who's bigger than any of my problems, who can do the impossible. But at the same time, we need to remember that God is not just wanting to help us with the big things, but with the small things, the seeming little things in life as well. And Jesus gives us permission here. He says, as you're talking to your father in the heavenlies, just talk to him about lunch. And just, just address him and, and, and just know that you're not bothering God when you talk to him about anything that's bothering you, no matter how big or how little. Have you ever felt like, when it comes to prayer, I'm not going to talk to God about this because there's starving people in the world, and God is much more concerned about the starving people than he is about this issue I'm going to bring before him. Anybody ever have that thought? Anybody? That I, I'm not going to bother God about this because he's got way bigger fish fry. There's, there's people starving and dying. Who am I to bring up this? And you know what? If, 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 if God is just God, then I think that would be justified thinking that way. But he's not just God. What is he? He's what? He's father. That would be like my kids coming to me with a worried look on their face. And I can tell something's bothering them. And they approach me and they say, Dad. And I say, uh-uh. Unless somebody's dying, don't talk to me. You know what I'm saying? Can you imagine saying that to your kids with whatever it is they bring to you? That it has to be at this kind of level. It has to qualify as this kind of urgency for me to have your attention. Not so with God. So that test that you have coming up, high schoolers, that speech that you're kind of anxious about giving in class, that hard conversation that you have to have with a friend or a family member, 
that job interview that some of you have coming up, and you've got so much writing on that job interview. That stomach flu that just literally kicked your rear end this week, right? God wants to hear about that kind of stuff. Picture this kind of scenario with me, okay? You're in bed at night, almost asleep, and you hear your four-year-old son crying out, Daddy! Daddy! It's not an urgent, kind of life-threatening kind of call, but it's one that gets your attention. So you wake up, and you stumble over to make it to his room, and you turn on his lamp, find out what's going wrong, and you find him holding his finger. He's holding his finger. He says, Daddy, my finger hurts. So you kind of go into diagnostic mode, okay? So as your eyes are kind of adjusting to the light now, and you're looking at his finger, and yeah, it looks a little red, looks a little swollen, looks a little pudgy, and you compare it to the other same finger on the other hand, and that one looks red and pudgy and swollen too, so there's nothing wrong here. Your kid just has fat fingers, right? That's all it is. But then you look a little bit closer because your eyes have adjusted the light, and you see the problem. You see the culprit. You know what he's got? He's got a hangnail. He's got a hangnail. And your little four-year-old has never had a hangnail before. And it hurts. And I can't sleep. And I didn't know what to do, Dad, so I called you because it hurts. Now, what do you say to your little four-year-old boy in that moment? You say, come on, you got me out of bed for this. Man up and get to sleep. And don't ever call me in here about this again, right? No, you don't do that. You take that finger and you hold it very tenderly and you kiss it. And you say, let's, let's, let's pray to God about this, son. And you pray, God, I, I just want to pray for my little boy. You've wired us to get rest and this pain is keeping him from getting rest. So, Lord... Heal his little hangnail and help him to get rest. And we thank you that you're a God who we can come to with our cares. Tiny little boy. Tiny little bedroom. Tiny little home. In tiny little Indiana. Tiny little finger. Tiny little hangnail. But a great big God who says, if it matters to you, it matters to me. Here's what I love. I love that when the scriptures say, cast your cares on the Lord because he cares for you, that it doesn't give me a list of the things that qualify. Because what's a care in your life, what's a concern in your life, might not be what's a care or concern in my life. And we all have equal access to a God who cares, no matter how big or how small we might think it be, or what we think qualifies or disqualifies as a care. It's not just the things that qualify. So when we get to a point where we know we're talking to not just our Creator, but our Father, who cares about anything and everything in our lives, then you know what we won't do? We won't sweat the petty stuff. Any of you have a problem with sweating the petty stuff sometimes? Yeah. Some really good advice for you. 
don't sweat the petty stuff and don't pet the sweaty stuff, okay? So, bread. Let's talk about that for a minute. Because I think there's some different things that Jesus might be alluding to here, okay? On the surface value, I think Jesus is talking bread, sunbeam, wonder, Panera, whatever you want to call it, okay? He's talking about that basic substance, the food that keeps our body going. But I think there's something else that Jesus is talking here, maybe in a more broader sense, okay? I think it can stand for what we need to survive as human beings, those basic necessities of life. I mean, if I were to come up to Chuck, and let's say Chuck just got a new job, and I say, hey, Chuck, how you like your new job? And he says, you know what? I don't really care for it, but it puts bread where? On the table. Now, what does Chuck mean when he tells me that? He doesn't mean, craziest thing, Solomon, ever since I took this job, every night I go home, there's a loaf of rye bread on my table, right? That's not what he means. What he means is this job, even though I don't like it, it's providing a means to pay my mortgage, to drive the car that I like, and he's got some benefits, he's got health care, and he's got some retirement. So what he's saying is that I've been provided with resources to cover the broader issues of life. I've got money to survive, I've got energy to work, and I've got health to enjoy life. That's what bread can mean, kind of that broader sense of what we need. But then there's a third thing as well of a deeper, more spiritual issue that Jesus kind of tips us off to when he says this in John 6, 35. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Listen to this. Whoever comes to me will never go I'm what you're looking for. I'm what you need. You feed on me and my life and my word and my love and my ways, Jesus says, you're never going to go hungry again. So, when we pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Which one are we talking about? Are we talking about bread number one? Are we talking about bread number two? Or are we talking about bread number three? Which one? I think we're talking about all of them. But the answer to that question is yes. Bread. We pray for bread. We pray for our daily broader necessities. And we pray, Jesus, I am dependent on you. I'm dependent upon you all the way from the sandwich in my hand to being the Savior in my heart. Give us this day our daily bread. Now let's talk about that word daily for a minute, okay? Because here's what I think Jesus is communicating. What Jesus is saying here is there needs to be this ongoing, continual uh, conversation that we have with our Creator. See, what I know about relationships in your life and mine is this. We've got a couple different categories of relationships. We've got very intimate relationships, and we've got casual relationships. And the big difference between a casual relationship and an intimate relationship is this. In intimate relationships, my intimate friends know the ins and outs of what's going on in my life. They know details. They know specifics because I'm talking to them a lot. 
And here's what Jesus is saying. Don't let your relationship with God become casual. Where you're just kind of checking in every now and then. You make sure it is daily that you're taking your needs to him. Come to him, hands out, asking, believing daily, give me bread today. And here's what we can't do. We can't talk about daily bread without going all the way back to the book of Exodus. In the book of Exodus, we talked a few weeks ago how God had called Moses, says, I got a plan for you. I want you to take people on a deliverance trip. All right? You're going to go from Egypt, and you're going to go to the promised land, the land I've prepared for you. And what it is, it's kind of like a spiritual road trip Moses is leading people on. Y'all ever been on a road trip before? Yeah, with kids in the back seat, right? You know, road trips, all of them can have their certain kinds of complaints and annoyances. A couple kids can make a very miserable road trip, right? Imagine a couple million people, a whole nation that you're leading, all right? So we're going to look and see what it is that happens as the Israelites are going. And we're going to get an idea of this idea of daily. Here's what it says in Exodus 16, 2. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron, okay? So they've got an issue. They've got a bone to pick with their leaders. And here's the issue. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. Why? Why are you being all Debbie Downer? What's going on? Because there we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. So what's their main concern? What's their main concern? Food. We had all the food we wanted back then. What about now? But you, Moses and Aaron, you brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. You think they're being a little dramatic? Yeah, I think so. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day, get this, each day and gather enough for what? That day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. Now, God doesn't even address their complaining, which he does a lot of other times. Here's what he simply says to his people. I haven't forgotten you. I will provide for you. I will provide for you one day at a time. And God provided for them in this, this bread substance known as what? Manna. We don't know much about manna. Here's what we know about it from Scripture. It says it was this wafer kind of bread that tasted like what? Honey. It kind of tastes, that sounds kind of good, right? Manna. And every day when they would go out, there would be plenty. They didn't have to hoard it. All they had to go out is do is pick it up. That's all they had to do. So God is providing a means to, to take care of his people. You know what else God is doing through this? He's testing them. Did you catch that last part there? He says, in this way, I will what? Test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. Does God test us? Yes. Does God tempt us? Never. This Testing was for their benefit. 
to see whether or not they would truly trust in the hand of God to provide. And let's see what happens next. Verse 14, when the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, what is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, it is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little. And when they measured it by the omer, the one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. Then Moses said to them, No one is to keep any of it until morning. However, <laughs> some paid, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. Only one reason they would try to keep it until morning and disobey the instructions Moses gave to them. Why? What's the reason? What's it boil down to? trust they didn't trust god that god was who he said he was and that god would do what he said he would do so they're like we got to get it all now because we're not sure if god's going to come through for us tomorrow he came for, through for us today we're not sure he's going to come through for us tomorrow so they hoarded it and it turned to rotted maggot filled bread verse 21 each morning everyone gathered as much as they needed and when the sun grew hot it just melted away on the sixth day, they gathered twice as much, two omers for each person, and the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. He said to them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be a day of Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil. Save whatever is left and keep it until morning. So now Moses says, on this day, on the sixth day, you're supposed to gather two days' worth, Eat as much as you want that evening and keep the rest till the next morning. It's going to be okay, I promise you. So they saved it until morning as Moses commanded, and guess what? It did not stink or get maggots in it. Eat it today, Moses said, because today is the Sabbath to the Lord. You will not find any of it on the ground. So Moses says that seventh day, you go out looking, there's not going to be any. Just be aware, get enough the night before. Six days you were to gather it, but on the seventh, the Sabbath, there will not be any. Nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it, but they found none. Of course they wouldn't, because God had already said, you're not going to find any. So here's what God is saying, I think, through the whole manna episode. Here it is. Trust me today. Trust that I love you today. Trust that I will give you what you need to get through today. Focus on today. Because here's what I know, folks. We got bread in our pantry. We got food in our pantry for months from now, right, most of us? Guess what? You don't have. Here's what you don't have and I don't have. We don't have any guarantee we're even going to see tomorrow. So we pray to God for today, our daily need, 
So when you pray, can I encourage you? Just pray to God for what you need today. God, give me the health that I need today. Give me the wisdom that I need to get through today. Give me the patience with people I need today. Give me the capacity to forgive someone today. Give me, Lord, what I need just to get through today. That's that kind of ongoing conversation with God that you should have daily, intimately, not casually, where you just kind of check in with him every now and then. Last word. I'm only going to spend just a few seconds on this one. The word, our. Have you noticed in the Lord's Prayer, it's not my Father in heaven, it's what? Our Father. It's not just my bread, it's what? Our. It's not even just my sins, it's what? And my debts, it's what? Our. Here's what Jesus, I think, is trying to remind us all as his followers. That our relationship with him is much bigger than just our individual selves. We are part of a, of a greater family. And when I pray our bread, it gets my eyes off of my bread box and gets me looking to your bread box as well. It gets me thinking about things that I don't like to think about. Like ghettos and slums and homeless shelters. Places where bread might not be in so much Abundance. I'm going to tell you what, folks. There are people in this community, and I guarantee you whatever community you come from, there are people in your community who this is a very real prayer for them. Daily. People who do not have the resources to have stocked cupboards of food. I remember one time talking to the the director of the senior center, the Winchester Senior Center here in town. She told me, she said, you would be shocked and amazed to know how many elderly people in Wabash County are going without food. But she said, there's something about that generation. They're just too proud to admit that they need it, so they go without instead. You've got young and old in this county who are praying give me a sandwich today Lord and here's what I know you know how God answers that prayer how does he answer it anybody seen any manna on the the grass or the yards of Wabash lately anybody seen that let me know if you would I'd like to try some how does he meet those needs through us, through those who have the plenty, to whom much is given, much will be what? Expected. So here's what I thought we'd do. As a church, because I'm making an assumption here, I'm assuming that your cupboards are stocked as well as mine are. And if for some of you that's not true, forgive me for that kind of arrogance if, if I think that. But I'm just making that general assumption. So here's what I'd like to do next week. Next week, I'd like for you to all bring in one of these. Any of you got some of these at home? Well, I want you to use them for something else besides picking up your dog's poop, okay? Here's what I'd like to do. Take one of these from your home and fill it up with some bread. And by bread, I mean 
food items, something that would be a blessing to somebody who's praying for their daily bread. And I'm figuring one of these could probably hold about five pounds easily. Might have to double bag it, but it should hold about five pounds. And I thought, how great would it be if we had 200 bags with five pounds each where we can take a half a ton of food to fish or the senior center and we can be an answer to someone's prayer for daily bread. Can we do that? So at home, or while you're at the store this week, grab one of these bags. And let me just, I got to say this, because I know we're tempted to do this. Please don't bring in something that's going to expire like in two days, okay? In fact, it'd be nice if you bought brand new or something that doesn't expire for six months. All right? Give them your best. Give to them what you would want someone to give to you in your time of need. So next week, I'd love to just see this whole part and this whole part just stacked with bags of food as we say, God, yeah, you can count on me to help be a resource to meet someone's needs with daily bread. God, as you have done for me, I'm going to do for others. And you know, as we come to the point in the Lord's Supper right now, I'm reminded of something very profound. That we have a God, think about it, who has taken care of the smallest need and the smallest detail of our life, meaning this daily bread, whatever it is we need to survive, to take another breath, to, to walk and live another day. He's taking care of that need. And he's also taking care of our greatest need of eternal life. So as we take the bread and the cup, we remember as we chew that bread, that God has met my resource, he's met my needs in the past. He's meeting my needs now. And he will meet my ultimate need for salvation in the future. Because he's planning a place for me right now as we speak. We have a God, friends, who provides for his children. Amen? So let's remember that now as we go to this time of the Lord's Supper. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you that you provide for us. We acknowledge our utter dependence on you. Lord, you've given us the opportunity to live in a land of plenty. But Lord, whatever government we live under, whatever kind of markets we live in where there's an exchange of goods, Ultimately, Lord, it's you who's providing. So, Father, we come to you as your children to say thank you, thank you, thank you. And we ask you again in humble hearts, in, in dependent hearts, give us today our daily bread. And use us, Lord, freely as a conduit for your love and provision to be spread out in the lives of others who need bread as well. We thank you, Lord, for Jesus, who is the bread of life, who calls us, Lord, into relationship with him, to feast on him and his love and his word and his ways and so be fulfilled. 
So we remember that now, Lord, that you're a God who provides from the smallest detail of life to the greatest need that we have. And we say, thank you. We pray this in the name of Christ. Amen.